Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. I fear that history is repeating itself, and today we're talking about a New York City startup company called WeWork. But first, if you love what you're hearing on the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, tell two friends about it. Let them know about the show. We'd love to have them as a listener. Why keep all this goodness to yourself? Spread the love around. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is available on 14 different platforms, including CastBox, Overcast, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, and if you're on one of the new voice-activated devices like Amazon Alexa, give it a try. I'd love to get your feedback on the Alexa experience. Send me a note to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Okay, we are back. We're talking about WeWork. WeWork is a startup in the shared workspace market. And in eight years, they've grown from a single location in New York City to being the single largest tenant of office space in the city at 5.3 million square feet. Globally, they have 265,000 desks in 287 buildings across the country. They recently took over another 1.2 million square feet of office space in San Francisco. The interesting thing is they haven't invented anything new. They're a startup company, but there's a longtime player, Regis, now part of IWG, that's been in the market for decades. Regis has twice the space of WeWork globally, and yet has an enterprise value that is one-fifth of WeWork. On a per-square-foot basis, that amounts to a factor of 10 difference in valuation. As real estate investors, we're trained to look at comparable values. This one has me baffled. They're in the same business. The amount that Regis charges clients for office space, frankly, is not that different. I used to use Regis office space about 10 years ago, and it was excellent. WeWork has more modern lighting, newer coffee machines, and craft beer on tap. Regis office space is also top quality. Now, having a beer tap doesn't drive a 10x valuation. SoftBank is Japan's second largest cellular phone carrier. Their parent holding company has investment interests around the globe. SoftBank has partnered with Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi Wealth Funds to form the $92 billion SoftBank Vision Fund. So far, the fund has invested about $7.7 billion for a 15% stake in Uber, and they currently own 20% of WeWork after last year committing $4.4 billion in equity funding. That would value WeWork at $20 billion, and discussions are currently underway for SoftBank to take a majority stake in WeWork. Here's the problem that I see with WeWork's business model. It reminds me of Lehman Brothers. If you don't remember, let me remind you why Lehman Brothers failed. Lehman Brothers was first and foremost a brokerage house. They were not a bank, but they wanted to be. So they opened a bank in the Bahamas, and of course, the Bahamas doesn't have a lot of depositors, so the deposits in the bank were LIBOR. LIBOR, of course, is the London Interbank Overnight Rate. These are the overnight deposits that banks make to earn interest on funds that are in transit. If I wire funds internationally, those funds might take a day or two to be accepted by the receiving bank. If that happens, the receiving bank will take that money and try and earn interest on it overnight until it's finally accepted in the receiving account. Lehman Brothers took those daily deposits that have a very short lifespan and loaned money against those deposits to companies buying real estate all across the United States and elsewhere. And if you remember back to the financial crisis in 2008, there was a period of time of a few weeks when banks stopped trusting each other and refused to extend credit to each other. And when that happened, the LIBOR deposits dried up and Lehman Brothers became insolvent overnight. So back to WeWork. WeWork signs multi-year master lease agreements from building owners 
It might be for an entire building or for a few floors, and they negotiate a good deal on a per square foot basis. They then carve that space up, they build it out to WeWork specifications, they hire a receptionist, and they lease out small bits of space to individual small businesses. One of the main features of a WeWork engagement is that you sign a month-to-month lease. You can cancel at any time in 30 days. In an economic downturn, tenants can jump ship in 30 days, and WeWork is still left with a long-term master lease obligation on millions of square feet. That's a huge risk to the entire enterprise. It's one that I believe to be a fatal flaw in their business model. They have a long-term liability and only a short-term asset. That's very similar to what Lehman Brothers had, only in reverse. In the case of Lehman Brothers, they had a long-term asset. That was the loans that they had put out and a short-term liability that was measured in 24 hours. Regardless, there was a massive mismatch between the duration of the asset and the liability. So the central lesson here is that you should never fund something long-term with short-term money. The second fundamental problem I see with WeWork is they have yet to generate a profit. It doesn't matter whether you're investing in single-family homes or if you're investing in millions of square feet. It still needs to add up and it still needs to generate a profit. So you're thinking about that. Have an awesome day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.